I would argue there is no better incubator in the world that is a leading indicator to what the future of retail will look like in five years than what cannabis is doing today. We have consumers now that are able, you know, where I'm at in Santa Cruz, I'm looking for a product. I can go on iHeartJane and I can see exactly where that SKU sits, not from a warehouse 2,000 miles away to get on an airplane to come to my doorstep in two days. It's right down the street. And I'm really happy as a consumer because I can decide when I want to pick it up, how much I want to pay. I can read reviews. I can get recommendations. But it's also wonderful because I'm putting my dollars back into the community I live in. And that's ultimately what business is for, right? This is what America was founded on, was all these small towns with businesses growing those communities. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the To Be Blunt podcast. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, and today's discussion is all about cannabis and technology. But before I dive into who our guest is, I wanted to provide a quick update on some of the things that are happening in our industry that may or may not affect you, but are good just to be aware of. So kind of the first thing at a federal level, a couple weeks ago, it kind of came out that there was going to be some precautions around shipping vape in the mail. And ultimately what was decided was that the USPS and now UPS and FedEx have joined that they are not going to allow you to send vape products in the mail. What that also has disrupted is not only from like, you know, business to consumer sales, but also business to business. So we've personally had a few hiccups in terms of purchasing vape batteries and things like that from our suppliers. So I know that this has impacted the industry in more ways than one. And so just kind of a heads up that if you're dealing in that space, you're not alone. And I'm confident that solutions will you know, come to be resolved in some way, shape or form, but that's kind of the the shtick right now. Now, from a Texas perspective, we recently had the review on smokable hemp in Texas. And unfortunately, there's not really a consensus and a conclusion on what the outcome is. So we're still kind of hanging tight and waiting. But essentially, what could potentially happen is the ban would take effect and we would no longer be allowed to sell smokables in Texas. But because the judge presiding over the case put a pause on the ban, that's why we've been able to sell for the past couple of of months. And so we're kind of waiting to see what happens with that. But most importantly, Texas is in its current legislative session, which means, yay, we're going to potentially have some updates to cannabis law. Now, this week, we are going to see a lot of movement. By the time this episode airs, we had just had the cannabis bills and discussions kind of happening at the um, Capitol. But I'm hopeful that, you know, we're going to continue to see more discussions and nothing is really kind of set in stone just quite yet. Things are, you know, it's government take some time. So with that said, just know that as a state, Texas is discussing cannabis on behalf of how the state rolls it out right now presently. And we will have more to come as that unfolds. But there are some 
you know, concerning things in some of these bills, some that will hopefully help us and some that could potentially hurt us if they get put into law. So if you have questions about anything that's happening in the state of Texas in regards to the current legislative session, or you have thoughts and want to contribute, please reach out. I would love to answer questions and have those conversations with you. Back to today's episode. So I'm super grateful to be joined by Socrates Rosenfeld. He is the CEO of Jane Technologies. You might also know the brand by iHeartJane, specifically iHeartJane.com. It is a platform that enables both the consumer to search for products and dispensaries, as well as the dispensary to leverage the Jane Technologies to empower them to connect their products to the right consumer. The platform also enables e-commerce, which is a hot subject in cannabis. And so I'm not going to take away too much of the thunder of the discussion, but it was a great one, especially if you are curious about how cannabis and technology work together. Socrates shared a wealth of information, and I'm just really ready to share that episode with y'all. So without further ado, let's welcome Socrates to the show. My name is Socrates Rosenfeld. I'm the Co-founder and CEO at Jane Technologies, we are the largest e-commerce platform in the legal cannabis industry here in the U.S., providing e-commerce, advertising, and analytics services to about 2,000 dispensaries across 34 state markets. How I got involved in the space came from a personal need. Personally, I, I never consumed cannabis until I was about 30 years old, and the reason behind that was... Number one, I was a, a product of the D.A.R.E. program, so I was scared to try cannabis, believing in all the misinformation out there that it made you lazy or dumb or a criminal. But ultimately, in my 20s, I was in the Army, and I left the service when I was 29 years old to go back home to Boston, thinking that I could take the uniform off and very easily transition into the civilian world, and that for me wasn't the case. And I think for a lot of other military veterans, they experienced something similar um, where the intensity of training for or being in or recovering from life and death decisions takes a toll on your physical and your emotional well-being. We call it in the veteran community hypervigilance, where around every turn, you know, you're trained to, to, to find bad. And here I was as a civilian in business school, and I thought... Every test I took was a life and death decision or every interview I went on for a job was a life and death decision. And um, it certainly wasn't the case, but my body didn't know that. My emotional somatic system didn't know that. And so I tried cannabis reluctantly because I was at my wits end. I couldn't relax anymore. And I consumed for the first time and it changed my life. It brought me a real sense of um, presence again. And ultimately, what it did was it made me question every other thing that I assumed to be true on face value without having conviction for myself. And so I decided to commit my life to it. I was so blessed to have a founding team that also was committed to moving this mission forward. And we, we are still on that mission. You know, we're coming up on our four-year anniversary of launching. And ultimately, what we want to do is provide safe, trusted access to a plant that helps a lot of people. And in doing so, help the businesses that grow this plant, manufacture it, and sell it. And uh, we, we couldn't be more fortunate to be in the position that we're in to, to shape an industry that I think is helping a lot of people. So that's how we got involved in this space. 
Uh, we launched out of Santa Cruz, California four years ago, and now 34 state markets about to open up Canada. And it's been a, a real dream come true so far. It's such an incredible story. One, obviously, thank you for your service. I think the veteran market demographic is obviously a very strong one and they have a lot of historical challenges that they go through when they are being reintroduced back into civilian life. And obviously your own personal experience with cannabis has proven of value with the plant, but there are so many people who still, I'm sure, relate to what you introduced your story through, which is the D.A.R.E. program with this stigmatization around the plant. And so I think from my perspective, I I just, I love learning people's stories because it's reminding us that we're all influencers in our own regard, whether we're the CEO of a company or we are, you know, the older sibling of a family or, or just, you know, anybody out there, whoever your circle of influence is, like you have the power to help influence someone's perspective on this plant. And it's not something that I take very lightly. And so obviously you're doing a lot in that regard of that category of just being a representative of of where you come from and and being a, a kind voice for this plant. So with that said, you do a lot. I mean, I want to get into the scale of the business, but specifically I want to highlight e-commerce because that to me is it's an easy word. Most people are familiar with e-commerce, you know, doing business online. And in 2021, especially after COVID, more and more people are having to look at doing business online. And before we were recording and my listeners know, you know, kind of a little bit of my journey, of course, just through my episodes, but I operate an e-commerce store and I shared with you, I have a background in e-commerce. And I think despite even my background in e-commerce coming into cannabis to do e-commerce is a whole other realm. And so you get into just a platform that will allow you to exist on it not even taking people's money. So payment merchant services is obviously another challenge. And I think there's even further difficulties when you're doing integrations into POS systems or into other aspects of integrating through different CMS and things like that. So how do you navigate e-commerce from your perspective? I mean, you shared you're just a four-year-old brand. We're about a three-year-old brand and it's been very hard three to four years ago when it's still hard today. So how do you attack that? How did you even come up with the idea to think I'm going to start an e-commerce business for cannabis? What is that like? Yeah. Well, it's a great question where I'd like to start is just, we, we define e-commerce very differently than a lot of others. I think when people think of e-commerce, they think, ah, I'm going to order something online. It's going to ship to me in the mail. And that's, that's a, I would argue, a very large part of e-commerce. And quite frankly, since the dot-com era, we've been anchored to that kind of ecosystem where I go on Amazon, I look for a product, and in two days, it shows up on my doorstep. It's extremely convenient. When we were looking at this space, we knew that we are probably very far away from, if not completely never going to happen, the ability to ship, you know, an eighth of cannabis from Santa Cruz, California to to Boston, as much as my friends in Boston might want that. Um, CBD is a little bit different story, uh, which, which is, which is great. But when we were looking at this now we had to adjust the def how we define e-commerce. We define it as e-commerce is 
the complete digitization of all commerce. And that might include direct-to-consumer direct businesses, but it also includes the brick-and-mortar dispensary who's looking to digitize their operations. And so when we were studying this, and I, I, I everything I, I used to be this, uh, I was going to say like, uh, uh, you know, high powered consultant, but I was just miserable to be honest with you. If any consultants out there just traveling around hotel to hotel, you know, trying to get a meal in an airport or in my hotel room, just like really kind of lonely, lonely life thinking about it in retrospect. But my entire life was online. Oh, I have to have a car to pick me up to drive me to the airport. Cool. I can do that very easily online. I got to find a place to stay, a hotel or an Airbnb. I got to find a, um, a flight from San Francisco to Dallas. I, I have to order a meal, right? And it, it, all those things, ordering a meal, buying a flight, getting a, a pair of headphones, uh, you know, a place to stay. I had what's known as purchasing power. I could decide when I wanted to get picked up. I could decide how much I want to pay. I could read reviews, all these different things. Well, in the offline environment, it's very fragmented. And, you know, you go to one store, you look for products, then you go to another store. And that's why Amazon has won. And because I order products on Amazon that I know are somewhere close to me. But, man, I don't have time anymore in my day. Unfortunately, this is just the way the world is working currently to not waste my time, but spend my time driving to a store only to realize they don't have my size or the color that I want, or the best price that I want. And so the way we looked at this was, could we use cannabis, number one, for us, it's a mission to go and protect the integrity of this plant. But beyond that now is, can we go and reinvent what e-commerce is? Can we go take that brick and mortar, local, more times than not a small business, and provide for them very powerful technology that requires no work for them? But we'll go and take all their inventory and, and push that into online um, order origination points is what we call. Can we power their menu on their website? Can we power other marketplaces and take their inventory and power that? So for us, that's really where we're focused. I would argue there is no better incubator in the world that is a leading indicator to what the future of retail will look like in five years than what cannabis is doing today. We have consumers now that are able, you know, where I'm at in Santa Cruz, I'm looking for a product. I can go on iHeartJane and I can see exactly where that SKU sits, not from a warehouse 2,000 miles away to get on an airplane to come to my doorstep in two days. It's right down the street. And I'm really happy as a consumer because I can decide when I want to pick it up, how much I want to pay. I can read reviews. I can get recommendations. But it's also wonderful because I'm putting my dollars back into the community I live in. And that's ultimately what business is for, right? This is what America was founded on, was all these small towns with businesses growing those communities. And here we are in an, in an environment where we're putting all of our dollars to one company, and that's Amazon. And it's nothing against Amazon. They're really, really good. They're almost too good at what they do. And, and what I'm saying is, can we make the experience as convenient, as curated, as personal as you would on Amazon, except now you can take your dollars and you have an option to put it back into your community. And cannabis regulations shape that environment. So we're, we're, we're taking advantage of that. 
but why couldn't we do that in other retail verticals one day? And I think if we can create that and, and, and create a win-win situation, not only for the seller, but also for the consumer, and you, you have a very healthy market and a healthy ecosystem that is kind of pushing value back into the local communities rather than siphoning value and bringing it to one big entity that's online. So that, that's our philosophy and it always ha- has been and, and, and quite frankly, always will be that our, our guiding light is what is the future of e-commerce look like? And we, and we think that it looks like the complete digitization of all commerce to include brick and mortar retail dispensaries. No, I love that thorough discussion of it because I think that it is evolving, right? The traditional sense of what e-commerce is, is evolving. And obviously Amazon is disrupting our expectations when it comes to how online shopping is going to continue to be. But I love the highlight of kind of for better or worse, because of the regulations, it's forcing businesses to, or really it's forcing consumers to focus with their local businesses. And your platform is helping empower those local businesses to have the best chance of, of meeting the consumer when they're in need. You're exactly right. The only other environment that is out here today that does this similarly is in the restaurant world, right? Okay, I have an, they call it O to O is the new like snazzy Silicon Valley term, online to offline. And I'm using an online tool to access offline products or services. But again, I'm not trying to pick on these, these restaurant marketplaces, but they're not helping the restaurants out. They're, they're eating into their margin, right? I'm sure in, in Austin, where you're currently at, um, I'm, like, the best restaurants are in Austin. I love it. And I, I, I long for the time where I can go and travel back to Austin. But, you know, go call up a restaurant that's on DoorDash or Uber Eats and ask them, hey, do you love this? Are they helping you? Are they helping you grow your business, teaching you about your consumers, teaching you what to, to make? When, when Shada comes to your store, can you upsell her on the fact that she's gluten-free, none of that, right? It's like, hey, we're this aggregated marketplace. It's our information. It's our consumer. Restaurants, all you do is cook the food. That's all you do. Well, that's not what we believe in at Jane. We want to enable our dispensary partners. We want to grow GTI, a very large MSO, and help them enable and grow their business for the future. And they're doing a great job. We also want to help that small mom and pop do that too. And the only way we can do that is by, by giving more than we take, by giving information back down to the small business, by giving them the, the power of technology without taking the margin away. That, that's what we're trying to create. And, and I think it's not until tech companies dig in a little bit and say, okay, let's not follow the template. As lucrative as that might be, is there a better way to do this? And I would argue it will be more lucrative if we grow the pie and take care of our supply side. So that's a, that, again, that's a big principle for us and, and something we're not going to, we're not going to walk back on because quite frankly, we have the opportunity to shape an industry the right way. And we're not going to squander that opportunity. No, you made such a valid point that I think most people don't realize, especially I think COVID highlighted a lot of those insecurities, especially in the food space, because obviously you have these small businesses that, are now being forced essentially to have online ordering and be on these apps that allow them to deliver food across, you know, town and things like that. But the price that it 
cost these restaurants to be on these platforms is sometimes astronomical compared to them operating it themselves, but there's no good solution that really exists. And, you know, I think I take it for granted being a marketer. Oh, it's easy for me. You know, I should be on social media. This is like how you create content. But I I realize that most people, and I'm sure most people even listening, sometimes listen to what I say. And they're like, that woman is crazy. She's doing so many things. I'm like, that's just unfortunately or fortunately how my brain works. But the, the regular small business owner, I think doesn't have that innate skill set. And so it's a little bit like you're at the mercy of the technology and the tools that are in front of you. And so it's an interesting position to be in. And now on the flip side, something that I was acknowledging about your platform that I thought was really interesting to call out is the inventory management side of things. So really being able to I mean, I guess I'll paint the picture, right? You know, you're looking for products. You want to make sure you're, especially me when I'm visiting, like I visit Denver a lot. The moment I land, like the moment I land, I'm like pulling up my phone. I'm like, okay, we're going straight to the dispensary. And I've had some experiences where you anticipate going in with a certain product in mind, you get to the dispensary and the product isn't in stock. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of the industry attitude is just like hands in the air. Like that's kind of how it is. Like, oh, we can't take credit card. That's how it is. Like, oh, we don't have proper inventory management. That's how it is. And I really was excited to see the amount of integrations that your platform supports and specifically being able to tie into, because I loved the highlight too of the O to O online to offline. I'm going to use that. I think that's a good little nugget. You're seeing a lot of traditional brick and mortar businesses because that's what cannabis has had to be because they cannot really truly play online. Now, obviously with COVID, it is allowing us to push into more of the digitization. So obviously with your platform being able to, I mean, you can make transactions on your website at the dispensary, I was just kind of mocking myself through one. I was p- pretending I was in Denver and going to go b- buy some wild gummies, but it would literally let me transact right there. And it shows me if the product is in stock or not, which is such a, a benefit, obviously, not only to the consumer who wants to shop and make sure they're getting the product, but really essentially to the end brand. I, especially being a brand myself, managing my inventory and, and the customer experience effect of that as well. I hate when customers accidentally buy something because my inventory hasn't synced up properly. And then I have to go have a whole dialogue with them about why it was sold out or this, that, and the other. And obviously people are mostly reasonable, but at the same time, it's just like, when you want to scale your brand, these little components are so integral that I think, again, most small businesses don't realize how helpful having all these things connected really can empower them to grow. And to your point, there really aren't solutions like yours out there, which is I'm sure why you've risen to be such a leader that you are aside from your you know passion for helping the industry. But it's a big undertaking to like lean into the technology side because I think there are so much red tape around everything, but it seems like you're pushing through the red tape regardless, just to try to forge ahead and really help create a path for these small businesses to succeed in this marketplace. That's it. You know, the the most frustrating thing, at least for me, is you you adopt a new technology and it makes more work for you. You know, like, oh, man, it's I think, you know, by no means are we comparing ourselves to Apple. We have ways to go. Like there's a reason why Steve Jobs was adamant about not having instructions, an instruction manual for his products is because it should be a real tool. And you don't have to learn how to use a hammer or a wheel. It just works that way. 
And, um, you know, for us, what we saw before we got involved in the space was these quote unquote technology platforms that would actually require more work for the dispensaries to actually use this technology. So now what you've done before Jane is as a retailer, you have to input your inventory into your point of sale. Uh, you have to do that anyways, because you have to track the ins and outs of, of all inventory. But now if you wanted to build an online business, you'd have to take all that information and now manually put that online. And there would be, you know, two or three folks there working eight hours a day, manually reconciling what's in store with what's online. And that is not scalable as you identified. And quite frankly, I don't think that's really fair. And so what we've done now is we have the ability, we call it an ETL integration where we can extract information in real time. We transform or cleanse that information, meaning we put the right serving size, taxonomy, content, photo, description, et cetera. And then we're able to take that cleansed data point, that skew, that digital merchandise, and push that across all places of the internet where someone might order that skew. And that dispensaries don't have to lift a finger for that. And that's really important for us. Are, are we perfect? No. But we're, we are pretty close to fully automating this experience. And imagine... You know, I'm, I'm going to call out some some bankrupted brick and mortar retailers who got bankrupted because they didn't have the digital experience. Right, J. Crew, Macy's, Sears, etc. These are wonderful retail businesses that were extremely successful. And the reason why they couldn't turn the corner in the digital world was they couldn't have the connectivity between what's in store with what's online, and ultimately the online business cannibalized their in-store business. What we're doing is we're growing that pie. We're saying, hey, just operate one source of truth, your in-store merchandise, and leave it to Jane to go and make sure that that merchandise is spread across the internet with the looking the best representation, the right taxonomy, et cetera. And you guys don't have to do any work to that. That's what real, in my opinion, technology should serve as. And, um, so far now, we're, we're seeing that come to fruition where, you know, the biggest enterprises in the, in the world, in this industry, are, are leveraging our software because now they can roll this out across 100 stores very easily and they don't have to, you know, crack the whip on their staff to make sure there's no misspellings or abbreviations. They can just say, hey, fill this in however you want and Jane's going to cleanse that information. And then also for the small business operator who doesn't have a, a staff of people, maybe they just have one person working in the store now they can take everything that's in their inventory system and automatically that will show up on their website and everywhere else they want to sell cannabis. So and that's a big one for us and, and something that we are dedicated to perfecting. And I don't, I don't think we'll ever stop. The more automation, the more friction we can remove from, from this omni-channel retail environment, the better. And I think the better for not only Jane and the consumers, but ultimately for our retailers selling cannabis products. Cool. 
quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. Now that you're seeing retailers on the platform, obviously there's limited products and and I'll like open that up a little bit more. There's only so many companies making edibles. There's only so many, you know, strains in a particular state. And so I'm curious talking about kind of like competition and cannibalizing the consumer experience. Now you have an inundation of choices. I can see that dispensary A, you know, maybe around the corner to dispensary B, they're selling the same product. Are you observing? And I'm kind of playing this out in my mind, you know, on one end, yes, maybe you have, they're selling at the same price. So it's competitive for the consumer and the consumer is going to maybe pick the one that's closest to them. Maybe you have a brand who doesn't care. They're going to charge the higher price anyways, because it's the experience of the dispensary. Maybe they have more ratings and reviews, or do you see it as like, you know, we bought it at X price and this is the margin. We're able to sell it out to make profit and we're going to lower our gummy price. So it's the best price. So everybody shops with my dispensary. Like what are you observing in terms of trends for these dispensaries on your platform in that regard? Yeah, I will share the observations. Ultimately, what we're doing is we're trying to create a very flexible shopping experience. And what I mean by that is, and we have a saying at the company, we need to meet the customer wherever he or she wants to be met. That means many different things. One is, if you want to go shop at your favorite dispensary's website, let's go power that. If you love you know, a marketplace like iHeartJane or Leafly, we let's go power that. If you love a certain brand and just want to shop from that brand's website, we power that. So that's kind of the first piece of, of meeting the customer wherever he or she wants to be met. The second piece though is customers have very different purchasing decision levers that they pull, right? You, and you hit them so eloquently like, hey, do I care about who can get this to me the soonest? Do I care about who has the best price? Do I care about who has the best reviews? Now we've unlocked BIPOC owned, woman owned, veteran owned, LGBTQ plus owned. If there is any variable that's really important to the consumer in, in his or her shopping decision, we, we need to present that for them. And so, you know, Amazon does a wonderful job of that. My wife is laughing because I would never do this, but I'm looking for a vacuum cleaner on Amazon, let's say. You know, I, I care about reviews or I care about getting the best price or I need this tomorrow, you know, because my, my dog had an accident or something like that. I want to be able to pull those different levers and Amazon makes that very easy for me. We should treat cannabis no differently. So for our consumers now, when they go on the marketplace, they have the ability to decide, hey, I'm looking for the top rated gluten-free edible in my in my area, or I'm looking for the cheapest CBD gummy in my area. We should be able to make that very easy. We have a, we have an obligation to the consumer to make that available to them. And again, if we don't, we're limiting the plant, we're limiting the consumer and and we're limiting the, the businesses that are involved in this space. And so for us, it's not, it's not, let's play one variable over the other. We're not trying to be a group on and be like, Hey, deals, deals, deals. 
that's important to you. You, have, you can pull that lever, but you know, however you want to shop, let's go digitize that. If you really care about where you put your dollars and want to make sure it goes to a veteran owned business, that should be very easy for you. Uh, and so some of the trends we're seeing, obviously price is a big one. Uh, reviews is the biggest one though. Verified reviews now. So you go on some other marketplaces and maybe you see some reviews about products, but you can't verify whether that person was actually consuming the product that you're looking at, right? Blue Dream is very different. OG Kush is very different depending on who's selling it, who's growing it. I want to go and review that, you know, OG Kush or Kosher Kush grown by the Santa Cruz Veterans Alliance. That's what I really want to know. All right, what, how are people reviewing that one individual SKU? And I want verified consumers who have been confirmed to have purchased that product, right? That's why I love about Amazon. Going back to the, the vacuum cleaner example, I get to read reviews not from the brand itself, although that's one, one thing I can read, but it's all consumers, it's like, I'm in a small one-bedroom apartment. This vacuum's too big or it's way too loud or it's tough to clean. I want to know that. When we have that now in the, in the form of over a million verified product reviews on our marketplace, where now this is coming from the community. And, you know, you're building that here in, in Austin, a community of people who want to learn more about CBD. Hey, w- w- what helps me? Well, hey, I have arthritis. What should I use? Man, let's go digitize that as well. I'm glad you brought up reviews. It's important. It's it's like so valuable, I think, too, just to connect a quick dot for the small business. I get asked a lot of times too, you know, how do you have so many reviews? And one, I think it's obviously having a quality product, but two, it's how do you curate those reviews? How do you create the pathway for a consumer to not only purchase your product, but to follow up with them? So my, my follow-up kind of question to you is, how does your platform encourage reviews is it the dispensary who's saying, hey, go to my profile in the app on the website? Is it if they're using the POS system, it's something that gets emailed out to the customer? Hey, you're in our system. You just shopped with us through, you know, iHeartJane. Here's a chance for you to leave a review on this product. Like, how do you actually drive that particular quote unquote verified consumer who just purchased from dispensary X, Y, or Z back to leaving a very specific product review? Yeah, great question. So, when, when we speak of reviews, we actually have verified reviews, both for the dispensary as well as the individual products that you're consuming. And so the way we track that is we understand every stage of the fulfillment process from building a cart to placing your order to actually picking up to completing the transaction. And it's only after you've completed that transaction where the dispensary has said, yes, Shada came into my store in Denver. She did order these products. I'm going to hit complete on the transaction or I'm going to ring this up on the point of sale and that will automatically complete. And we recognize that. So only after that transaction is completed, do we prompt the user, say, hey, Shada, thanks for ordering from this store. Please review this store. And in addition, you know, a couple of days later, after we, we understand what products Shada purchased, we're going to prompt her with a text message to say, hey, can you review these products? not for another dollar or money off, maybe that's down the road, but just to give back to the community, just to provide some semblance of real information to others who are also looking for gluten-free edibles that help them with arthritis or sleep. And the wonderful part is, is we don't incentivize anyone on 
payments. And this is why cannabis is special is because people want to give back and they want to say, Hey, this really helped me, or this was really good. Or man, this terpene really actually didn't react well with me. That's how we all learn and grow. And quite frankly, the brands love it too, because now they're getting free user generated content. They don't have to pay for R and D. They know exactly in real time how customers are responding to their, their products. So not dissimilar to how you review stuff on Amazon, not dissimilar to how you review your stay on Airbnb, right? It's only after you completed that transaction and have been verified in the system, will they prompt you to give back and generate some content to give back to the community. And it's so far, it's been working out very, very well. On the subject, kind of deviating from, let's say a positive review, I'm curious how you vet some of these dispensaries considering, again, what I know is very murky out there. State to state regulation varies. Even if you get your products tested to, I'm using air quotes, qualify as a legitimate business, you have your license. I've heard of testing facilities doctoring their COAs. So how do you prove or qualify? Like You're a legitimate dispensary. You're selling legitimate products. I even remember I interviewed Ricardo Baca, who is the former editor of Denver Post uh, back when Denver went fully legal in 2014. And I remember him telling me a story, actually tip for everybody, go listen to my episode with Ricardo because he gives this story from his mouth. But he was talking about an edible company that he went to a dispensary and bought. And then the particular edible was like not actually effective. And then it came up to be a case that this company was obviously lying about their COAs and lying about their test results and selling these products in dispensaries all across Denver. And and my point for this question is really because the consumer gets hurt at the end of it, right? So there's multiple fact points. It's like, how do you vet the dispensary, but then how do you vet the brands that you're featuring too? Is there some sort of like, you got to be obviously a good, credible, legitimate brand, but you and I both know that that's not always the case. It's a great question. So first and foremost, I want to go on record to say that you have to be a licensed operator to get on our and use our service. It's cleaning up across the country, but you know, they're, they're in California in our home state, it's, uh, you know, we're still transitioning from the gray market to the, to the, you know, the, the legal market. I like that you called it gray. Um, so yeah, that, that's, uh, cause it is, it's like, it's, you know, I, I came from the medical market and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're certified under this. It's like, no, no, no I need your state license number and we're going to go validate that against the database. And that was more of a, an issue maybe 2018, but now it's really cleaned up uh, in every new state market, like Illinois, you know, when, New Jersey goes adult use. It, it, it'll, it'll, you know, it's not built like California was built. So I think there's some there's some stuff that we have to continue to clean up in this state, and we are, and it's great. But you, you bring up a great point. Who is the authority to decide what is good and what is bad? Now, if I said James the authority, we are going to decide who's good and who's bad. I don't necessarily think that's right or fair. Because at the end of the day, we're just one entity, right? And I could have a staff of editors and they could go visit the store and maybe, I don't know, that that reviewer is having a bad day and she writes like, oh, this store is really crappy and they have crappy products. That's not really fair for the, for the store. So what we did was 
you know, if, if one review comes in that it's a really bad experience, okay. If a hundred reviews out of 150 say this is a really bad experience, that's probably more true than just Jane saying it, right? For brands and products, that was very important for us to roll out because we had we we questioned that too. Hey, is this just a popular product because it's low cost and the 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 dispensaries are pushing it? Well, let's let the people decide and tell other people, tell the community, is this a really good product? That's ultimately how we decide what's good and bad. We let the people decide. It's like the you know music charts. It's really. I, I think in, in some respect, this disruption of music has been pretty cool where back in the day, the music industry was, you had to know the DJ at the radio station to play your hit and they would be the hit makers. And if you weren't on that's that, that station, you were irrelevant, but now the likes of Spotify, Pandora, et cetera, this distributed systems, we're letting the people decide what they like and what they don't like. And now we're seeing all these wonderful artists emerge right? Who would otherwise maybe not be, you know, like Chance the Rapper who's able to, to emerge without a record label, Mac Miller, et cetera. Like these are pretty cool things that are emerging. We, we want to democratize that on our platform for brands. If you're a small brand and you're killer and you have kick-ass products and people love you and you have a great following, you're going to be successful on Jane because we're going to showcase that. If you're a brand that, you know, to Ricardo's story, that's, you know, doesn't even put cannabis in their products and selling it as a THC product. Pretty soon, you're going to hear that from the Jane community. And we're not doing it to call anybody out, but we're doing it to bring real, trusted, verified information to this plant. Because for too long, the misinformation has been rampant. And it's allowed programs like the D.A.R.E. program to convince children cannabis is really bad. Well, let's put facts to that. Or... There are some brands, believe it or not, in California that sell Ace for $80. High, high end. You know, like, okay, let the people decide whether or not that's worth it. Because some might be. Some might be like, wow, this is the greatest flower I've ever smoked. Others might be like, hey, this is, this is a gimmick. You know, let's let the people decide that because ultimately that's going to, the truth is going to surface. And that's the only way we can continue to protect the integrity of this plant is by letting the consumers and the real consumers who have purchased these products tell the community what their experience is. And again, are, are, you know, is it unfair sometimes that someone is having a bad day and they're going to leave a one-star rating? Of course. Of course. And we have mechanisms in place where they're, if they're abusive you know, or, or, or unverified reviews or not helpful, that goes through our review committee and we take that very, very seriously. And people can flag those and we'll review and we'll either take them down or we'll keep them up. That's a really important piece. And so we thought about that a lot, Shada. Should we be the authority or should we actually make the consumers the authority in aggregate? And we decided to go for the latter. And, and I think that's the fairest way and, and quite frankly, the most honest way to do business. I couldn't agree more. I think it's just empowering the consumer and arming them with the different points for them to consider during their review, during their purchasing decision and their purchasing journey. I think we are only becoming more conscious consumers. And so it's just, again, allowing the end person to make a decision for themselves. Am I purchasing because this is a highly rated dispensary or product? Am I purchasing because it's the best price? What do the reviews say? And 
for better or worse, I know that there is a lot of work to be done in the regulatory side of things. And there are for sure some bad actors out there that, you know, I think I like to resonate with the rising tide lifts all boats and kind of the adverse of that too, right? I think the community will quickly let us know if a product or business is not a good player. And from that point, you can take measures to deal with it and address it. But I appreciate the approach of kind of like, look, we're trying to create a platform for everyone who wants to be successful, succeed, and have access to a plethora of can of curious consumers. So game on, let's have that conversation. Exactly. And ultimately, we are believers that if a brand is really bad, and and quite frankly, there hasn't been any of these instances yet. At some point, there will be. If a brand is really, really bad, and they have really bad ingredients, or they're misrepresenting themselves, whatever. If you're stuck with that reputation online, it's going to be tough for you to recover. No one's going to buy your product anymore. And again, I think that's the fairest way rather than Jane coming in and being like, okay, we're going to be the cops and we're going to tell you what's good and what's bad. Let's just be the honest brokers of that and you know, create technology to surface the truth. It's a really important point. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I just, being a consumer myself and especially transitioning from a consumer to a business owner in this space, you know, I I used to just be, oh, I love this dispensary or I love this brand. How do I explore new brands or new dispensaries? But now again, being in the business side of it, I'm just confronted with how much variation there is for better or worse in the industry and really just trying to highlight really that, that intersection of like the truth and like the partial truth, because it's just, it's, it's a crazy world out there that we're trying to navigate. And it blows my mind that, I mean, you said 34 states. So that means 34 states are operating medical and recreation. My Texans, you know how I feel. We're not quite there yet, but it's exciting to see the impact. Yes. Fingers crossed. Can't wait for Texas. I think it's going to be my, my guesstimation is five to seven years. We're not really I'm going to take the under on that one, Shana, but you know, you're a native Austinite. So we're in every two year state for a legislative session. We're currently in session. They're not doing anything right now that moves the medicinal market forward. In my opinion, I heard maybe, I think even federally, we're going to get up to 1% THC, but still right now our medical program is 0.5% compared to 0.3% legally. What I sell, it's like, uh, why do you go through the hoops of getting medical? So again, to me, I observe in my journey in the industry, states don't just go rec. They have to go medical first. So until I see a medical program that is more robust in Texas, which is not happening this year, so we got another two years on top of that, that I think maybe medical will see three to five years and then maybe recreation after that. So just my two cents. But I want to kind of wrap up the conversation by just highlighting because I know that it was a little bit of, um, I don't want to say a shock to me, but everything is just, you know, I think it's just, I'd rather hear it from you what that looks like. To me, your platform can be very similarly um, observed to like a Leafly, right? It's, I know on Leafly, they're not necessarily transacting. They're more or less just highlighting reviews and it's more the searchability of all these different types of strains and and products, but they also highlight dispensaries. They also have a, you know, kind of platform for dispensaries to get on and be discovered and have a menu. And then I just read that y'all have a partnership with Leafly. So what are some of the 
differences that allow you to have that partnership that ultimately like allows you both to build off of each other? Yeah, we are more complementary than substitutes. And what I mean by that is the things that we are very good at, we can be very helpful with Leafly and the things that Leafly is very good at, they can be very helpful for us. Um, We are, I would say, obsessed with integrations, data cleansing, structuring information and pushing cleansed SKUs to different order origination points. And, and, and I've said order origination points before, but that's anywhere where a consumer can buy cannabis. A dispensary's website, a brand's website, iheartchain.com, and now Leafly. And what Leafly does, I would argue, better than any other platform in the industry is that they have developed real trust with the consumer on very relevant, helpful information about this plant. They have a very robust strain database. I don't think you can, you can type in a strain on Google and not see Leafly on the front page. Extremely powerful position to be in where I think they need our help. And it's a great partnership is now let us take all that merchandise that in our, from our supply side, that cleanse structured information. And now let's put it to your hundred million in front of your hundred million consumers. So not only can they learn about cannabis and educate themselves in a really trusted way, but after you've read about OG Kush, maybe you want to go and find OG Kush in your area and purchase it from a local dispensary to you. And I think that's where that handoff goes. Shada is we don't do really any kind of editorial content or anything like that. SEO Leafly's the clear winner on that. But some of the things that we think we do best, you know, e-commerce integrations, data cleansing, personalized digital merchandising, digital advertising, structured data. We feed that into the Leafly ecosystem and not only help Leafly out, not only help Jane out, but help our mutual clients out. So as a dispensary now, if you're using Jane, if you're using Leafly, now not only is all your merchandise showing up on your own website, but now it's showing up on leafly.com as well. And the most important piece is requiring no extra work to you. There's no more manual update of two different, different systems. It's all completely integrated with one another. And I think, you know, talking to Yoko, their, their CEO, we are so aligned. Our two companies are so aligned on why we're doing what we're doing. And that is to really be good stewards of this industry, you know, to the largest tech platforms in the space, to take care of the dispensaries, to take care of the brands, and ultimately provide for the consumer a safe and trusted place to purchase their cannabis, whether that's on leafly.com or all other origination points that, that Jane is powering. And, you know, that's where this partnership started was on the values and the ethos Everything else comes secondary, and we've we've had a lot of fun really working with them. And I think you're gonna you're gonna see and hear more exciting things coming out of this partnership that will continue to help this industry and move it forward in the right direction, or at least we believe in the right direction. So thank you for bringing that up, and we think that's a a, a watershed moment for the industry. As now again coming back to partnership, let, let's partner together, and together let's grow the size of the pie. Let's take care of our small, big, medium businesses. 
Let's inform our brands. Let's inform the consumers. And if we do that right, I think we will have a healthy industry for generations to come. And so I think, it, you know, it, it's, it started individually. We're coming closer and closer together with this integration and partnership and where this goes. I think only time will tell, but ultimately it's, it's with the focus and the intention of taking care of our consumers, taking care of our, our brands and taking care of our, our retail partners. No, thank you for sharing that. I think it was something that I, again, being familiar with both of your brands and then just kind of being a consumer myself, I'm like, wait, I go to both these websites. How do they work together? And, and you highlighted it very well when you said, you know, when you're going to the iHeartJane website, it is very, I want to search because I want to make a purchase more or less. And I find that Leafly is more my okay, I heard about this crazy strain. Tell me about it. And you're right. It's it's remarkable the depth that their database goes to really encompass the, the breadth of this industry. And what's crazy to me and plugging my episode um, over there with Leafly as well, we talked about the opportunity that Leafly kind of observes too, because the market is like, we have all these things kind of established, but there's so much more to come. Like there's so many new strains hitting the market. There's so many new dispensaries, so many new brands, like we're really just at the forefront of the industry. And so it is really cool to see two leading technology platforms really kind of coming together to help. Like you highlighted, I love that it's really helping every aspect of the industry succeed that again, when you're just a consumer, I don't think you really realize the impact or the challenges that the business is having. And I think when you're a business, you're obviously just trying to stay in business and not really able to lean into the marketing and the data so much. And so um, your platform really seems to be the nice um, middle ground for everybody to really find some value and to succeed. So my final question to you, because you obviously get to work with a lot of different brands in the space. This can be a dispensary. This can be a certain product. I'm curious who you think is doing a great job of marketing. Maybe it can be a way that they're leveraging the iHeartJane platform to market their brand. But I'm always curious, you know, you're an industry professional, industry leader yourself. Who's catching your attention as someone who's being a good steward of this plant and really communicating the value of cannabis to the consumer. I'm going to plug our local brands here in Santa Cruz. Um, the Santa Cruz Veterans Alliance uh, are, are cultivators of, I would argue, the highest quality flower that I've, I've come across or one of the highest quality flowers. They're, it's grown by veterans. Initially for veterans, they have a nonprofit arm that, that gives free medicine to any, any veteran who needs it. And, and they also grow some, some wonderful, wonderful uh, flower. I love Wham Phytotherapies, W-A-M-M. Uh, if you Google their story, they were the first medical dispensary in California licensed here in Santa Cruz, California. Um, Val, who's the founder and operator of the business, gives her medicine away for anybody who needs it. Terminally ill patients, homeless veterans, you know, and they and and again, it's real medicine. I love Jade Nectar here locally, another local grower that has amassed some very interesting land race strains. Is really staying very true to the essence of this plant and keeping it a plant, and has these uh, olive oil based tinctures that are wonderfully effective. For more of the national brands, you know, I would love to highlight Papa and Barkley. I think Adam's story of founding that business and helping Papa 
out. I see that across every new product that they launch. And he's no longer this, the CEO now, but his team has, has carried that legacy forward. And they are utilizing the digital platform better than, than most. They are bringing now consumers to their site now that they have this e-commerce platform and converting customers and, and getting customers to purchase their products off their site, not just off a marketplace or a dispensary's website. And that's wonderful. They are being able to advertise very smartly by utilizing the information that we're providing for them and not only informing them to build new business lines, right? They rolled out their, their gummy line, their, their chocolates now, but also where to put those SKUs and where to promote those SKUs depending on who's producing those menus. So, uh, and there are dozens and dozens and dozens of examples of wonderful, wonderful branded businesses out there that are utilizing um, this digital platform as it's intended. And they're pushing us forward because they're coming up with ideas that are really innovative and we're, that's gold to us. And we're, we're going back to the lab and, and, and building them with them. So the partnership has is, is been so wonderful with really all, all the brands out there, but those are the ones I would highlight. No, I appreciate you sharing that because it's just, there's so many things that are happening in this industry. Obviously you highlighted a brand like Papa and Barkley. They are more well-known to people, especially if they're paying attention to national cannabis movements. But I love learning about the brands that you highlighted from Santa Cruz. I just think that the more information that we can share and observe, like I'm going to do show notes. These are going to be included. I hope people will go check out and engage with them, whether they're in Santa Cruz or not, and just be more familiar with the players who are participating and being voices again, kind of going back to my original statement and kind of thought we're all influencers. We're all representing this plant. So no matter who our community is, no matter who our audience is, it's just, you know, kind of trying to shine a light on those efforts. And so obviously you're doing that very much so through your business. And I just appreciate you sharing all your insight today on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for tuning into that episode. Thank you again to Socrates for being a guest on the show. You shared invaluable information and it was so helpful, at least for me. I learned so much. I think the biggest takeaway is just being able to understand as technology advances in the industry, how can we as businesses and brands start to take advantage of it? Of course, his platform is really geared towards the full legal marijuana industry. And so if you are a CBD brand, it might not be something that we can play with directly right just yet. But I think I loved learning more about the integration aspect because that is a challenge that I personally am facing when it comes to integrating my e-commerce with my retail. And so definitely a lot of good takeaways and nuggets for me to help take back into my business. And of course, my hope is always the same for y'all. I hope these episodes are beneficial. You're they're providing value. You're learning from them. You're enjoying the caliber and information that the guests are sharing. And so thank you. Thank you for being a listener. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for contributing to the conversation. If you've reached out on social media, uh, I really appreciate it. I love having these discussions with y'all. So keep it up and know that we're going to have another new episode next Monday. And if you haven't checked out any of my previous episodes, I have a great library of fantastic guests who want to help educate and inform you. So take advantage of it. Thanks again and talk to you guys later. Bye. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadaturabi.com slash tobeblunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadaturabi.com.